We now continue with more of The Mark Milton Show with The Smash on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Milty and the Smash, back with you. The Mark Milton Show with the Smash, presented by stltaxler.com. You missed one po- one piece, all right? Milty, <laughs> Milty, Milty and the Smash. That's, that's going to be our new theme song. Well, we're back with you uh, in studio here, and we've got Mr. Asher Ben Ruby. How do It's the Smash. Now, Smash, you. I want to talk about your career okay because it, it almost is right. like the iliad you know odysseus like what, you, what you've accomplished what you've done <laughs> so, good analogy so, so we'll, we'll pick up let's pick up college oh, okay well let's back up you grew what up in indianapolis great analogy correct you yes. grew up in indianapolis i did ended up going to iu in I'm an immigrant a greek immigrant okay came here when i was two and they placed us meaning the jewish welfare federation they placed us in indianapolis because they were placing people around the nation and that's where I grew up. Okay. All right. So your folks are Greek. Yeah, we're Greeks. Uh, my father's a Greek Jew and my mom's a Greek Orthodox. Back then, I was a mixed marriage in the old country. One of the reasons they decided to head on out to, to America and see what could be had. Okay. All right. And so you make your way to Indiana University. What was your yeah. plan going into that? Well, Indiana University, uh, well, here's here's what happened to me. By the way, my wife, IU alum. Oh, no kidding. All three of her siblings, IU alums. Fantastic. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. All Hoosiers. Yep. You know what? They should maybe come to me someday and thank me because if it wasn't for me, they would not have the rebellious nature that that college does have because I, Sir Smashington, helped set a level of magnificence when it came to the culture and when it came to the politics and when it came to the actuality of beating the system. But that's just me getting riled up again, thinking uh, back to 1972. I went there 68, uh, graduated in 73. Um, it was fantastic. It was great, the college years. What did you study? I went initially to DePaul University. Medical is what I was studying to become a doctor. Because my dad always told me, be a doctor, be a doctor, be somebody, be a doctor. All right, so I, I'll, you get that beat in your head over and over. It's kind of like, I don't want to be a doctor. All right. So I don't care about being somebody. So anyway, I didn't take to it. So I left DePaul University and transferred to Indiana University. And I used to work 10, 12 hours a day at DePaul to come out with a C average so I could get out of that place. I maybe worked 10, 12 hours a week. (laughs) And I was a B plus student at Indiana University because it was a different kind of dynamic and different kind of intensity. Plus it was the hippie era. And in the hippie era, I wanted to go because I, I hate injustice. And so I was going to Indiana University studying law. And in studying law, I'd get my law degree. Then from there, eventually wind up with a doctorate of jurisprudence and become a judge. And, uh, you know, wear the robe and pass uh, judgment against criminals because I hate injustice. So that was my initial plan. But... I got bit by the rock and roll bug and the bite was so strong that I got infected with, I don't want to do that stuff no more. I'm going to become a hippie. And I became a hippie, went three years without a haircut, uh, wore Oshkosh Bagash overalls, played in my band, pure 
funk, with a bunch of white boys playing black music, and we rocked. We played all the fraternities, all the dorms and everything, and uh, and I got my degree at Indiana University, quit after two years, went away for a year, and then came back after that year because I got my yayas out, as the Rolling Stones say, and I was a straight-A student the last two years. The year after I graduated, I was a teacher of political science at Bloomington North High School. And uh, teaching, I had to wake up like at 5 in the morning every day to get ready to go to school. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to wake up at 5 in the morning. I'm a musician. We played till 3. Mm. So anyway, I wound up saying, okay, when this is over, uh, if, if I took my band and we play Fridays and Saturday nights and we're making this amount of money, if I up that to Monday through Saturday, I wouldn't have to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning anymore. And so I quit after a year being a teacher. I became a full-fledged band guy, and off I went into the universe. And, th and this was primarily in Bloomington, Indiana? In still? Bloomington, Indiana. Just playing shows around town? Yeah, exactly. Uh, without bragging, I'm just talking as a businessman, but Pure Funk was the ultimate co college party band. It was almost like, you know, if you, you watch Animal House, mm -hmm. that's the kind of college So you were playing parties Monday through Saturday on campus, basically? Uh, no, Monday through Thursday, okay. we would play like at the Holiday Inn, and we'd do, you know, five sets a night, and we'd play. And then on Fridays and Saturdays, we'd be at the dorms, or we would be at the uh, fraternities at the various universities in the Midwest, starting with Indiana University, where you grab, hold, and become dominant, then you go from there. Did you ever play in Champagne? You know, I went to school oh, yeah. at Champagne. At the, at the Red Line. And that's why, oh, the, wait a minute. There, so that was that was the bar back in the day, yeah, Red Line. Yeah, the Red Line, man. REO came out of that. A uh, whole bunch of them came out of that. And we traveled that same circuit with REO. We, meaning me and my partner Terry Barnes, we owned a company called Top Banana Talent out of Indianapolis because we had left Bloomington, moved to Indianapolis, and it was my band. Pure Funk, now known as Roadmaster because we changed the name because we were masters of the road. We were on the road all the time. And some friends of ours, Faith Band. And uh, we put a big agency together, and we had our territory. Well, REO was with a guy named Irv Azoff, and Irv was out of Champaign, Urbana. And so he had his territory. So he would send his bands into ours with our, uh, you know, welcome, and vice versa, we would go into his territory. Well, the reason I say that is because when I was in college, yeah. there was a very popular bar station, okay? Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it was, it was one of the one of the big bars on campus. A few years ago, yeah. the station closed, and it reopened as the Red Lion. Get out of here. No so kidding. So when you said Red Lion, yeah. uh, so what kind of a venue was the Red Lion well, back in the day? It was just a straight-up bar with a stage and Okay, uh, so I wonder dance. if this was yeah. the same venue. That someone maybe yeah, I don't know. renamed, yeah. or, you know, brought it back. That's to interesting. bring back that because uh, that was a strong name in this day. It was one of the places you wanted to play because Irv Azoff made it big with his bands. Uh, everybody came through there. Sticks, uh, everybody, everybody who played Chicago came on down to Champaign Urbana. Came through Indianapolis, headed on back to Chicago. That was the route. And I'm talking Cheap Trick, uh, Shaka Khan, all of them. Uh, that is wild. We so, played that same circuit. So how did you? Obviously, I knew you in the 90s here yeah. in St. Louis as as the smash on uh, KLOU. Mm -hmm. And I think before that, you were on KC. But how did you get into the radio business? Uh, There's a station in Indianapolis that supported the band and played our records. And uh, I 
prior to moving from Bloomington to Indianapolis, had created a celebrity for myself. So people knew Asher Ben Ruby. I wasn't the smash yet. I didn't become smash till 74. So um, they helped us by playing our records, build ourselves. Well, I'm now all of a sudden a celebrity in Indianapolis. And every Friday night, WNAP used to have celebrity DJ night. The mayor would come in and play his favorite songs, the Indiana Pacers, the race car drivers, all that. So they invited me. So I brought a Peaches record crate of my favorite albums because we played albums back then. And I did what I did with the band, sing a song, tell a joke, sing a song, tell a joke. So I played a song, tell a joke, played a song, tell a joke. And uh, I did that midnight to six that uh, particular night, if I'm thinking correctly. And I was horrible, just horrible, uh, just horrible. And uh, <laughs> I doubt and, it. Oh, uh, just horrible. Anyway, that was Friday night. Come Tuesday, I get a call. And, uh, and they say, Hey, can you come in here and talk to us? I'm thinking, Oh no, because I was horrible. And I'm thinking, you know, I did something wrong. They offered me a job. <laughs> and so I went from making $50 a week traveling with my band all over the, the, the Midwest, trying to become rock stars to an offer of $90 a week. And I wouldn't even have to leave town. And it was just Midnight to six in the morning, prime musicians hours at that time, at least. And uh, so I took the gig. I quit the band, took the gig and boom, off I went uh, into a radio business. I didn't really like radio business um, because DJs always used to what we call talk over the music. So you'd have a song, well, for example, uh, Sticks with a song, uh, Come Sail Away, has a beautiful melodic piano roll that goes sure. in before um, before they start singing. So DJs would talk over that. And it's like, I don't want to hear you. I want to hear the, the, the piano roll. I want to hear the music. And then I got in there and I became a DJ. And I started understanding the art and science of the delivery in that 10-second period, in that 5-second period, in that 30-second period, however long your piano roll was, just to use an analogy there. And... Uh, once I uh, understood the art and science, I said, okay, well, okay, I, I can do this. And then I got offered my first gig outside the radio station. Personal appearance is what they used to call it. And so remember, I'm making 50 bucks a week traveling all over the country, seven days a week, sometimes three gigs a day. At the end, 50 bucks. They offered me Karma Records, K-A-R-M-A, in Broad Ripple, just north uh, of Indianapolis, to come out. Shake hands, kiss babies is what we used to call it. Mm -hmm. And stand around the, the, the record store for an hour, an hour. Now for me, a hundred bucks. <laughs> and I'm saying, are you kidding me? You can do this in the radio business? I'm in. Yeah. And so I stuck from there. And that was because of uh, not only the understanding of the art and science of the delivery, but then also the uh, capabilities that could be had monetarily speaking as a yeah i mean you became a i mean larger than life personality i know that was the case that's what in, you try to develop in st louis uh you, you eventually had the smash band yeah that was big too man. you guys were the official tailgate band of the st louis Rams. 12 years buddy i remember seeing your name up on the uh on the sign at cutters oh. in belleville on a regular <laughs> oh, basis yeah we used to play there i can't believe i used to go there as a high school kid that I was would, a party in place man. well so we would go there for the food 
yeah. in high school. That was good I mean, food too. I think I think at some point they would not let you in if you yeah. weren't under uh, weren't over twenty one. You're from Belleville, right? Right. So right. we would go for the pizza, the salad. Yeah. I mean, the food was outstanding. Yep. So I remember as a kid always seeing yeah. your name up there and. Well, the girls used to come to Cutters too, and they'd start up on the dance floor. And you know, uh, you know, guys don't like to dance. Most guys, and, and but you see a girl out there, and she's dancing with her girlfriends or something, and you want to maybe approach her. You better start dancing because I tell you what, the girls don't dance to Freebird. All right, you better learn to dance to all the other stuff because Stairway to Heaven is not a dance song. So you had to learn that stuff, and that's the way, uh, well, Smash Man was, uh, shall we say, responsible for many marriages that probably came forth after that. <laughs> so how did, you end, how did you end up in St. Louis? Uh, oh, this is a good uh, story. I had left Indianapolis and moved to Washington, D.C., and worked at one of the greatest radio stations at the time. I, I've been fortunate that I've, out of my career, been able to work at really great radio stations. And this was a station called DC 101. And on the eastern seaboard, it was huge. Yeah, it's still there. Right? Yeah, and yeah. it's still there. It's still in operation. So I was there, I'd say about six years. And um, when that was done, when I first got there, two months after I got there, I got a call from this guy, uh, uh, Bob Pittman. He was the guy who started MTV. So he calls me and says, we're looking for what we call video jocks here. Would you be interested? I said, what is it? said, you're on TV, but you're just being a DJ, but you're on TV. I said, oh, man, that sounds cool. I just signed a, a three-year contract with DC 101. I can't leave. You don't walk on your contracts. Okay. Uh, when you are free, give us a call back. We'll see if we can uh, fit you in. Well, I got free six years later, and I had taken a gig with Emma's Broadcasting, which owned KC95 at the time, but they also had bought a brand-new radio station, a black music radio station, and uh, that was in New York City. I was offered that job hosting the morning show. I was well-known in the black community in Indianapolis because I grew up in the black community. Uh, in fact, a young lady once asked me, she said, are you from New Orleans? I said, no. She said, well, where are you from? You got an accent? I said, well, I grew up on the black side of Indianapolis. And so... In Indianapolis, if they said, come work an urban station, that'd be cool. Cause, But they don't know me in New York. And all of a sudden, here's a white boy coming playing in, you know, black music in New, in New York. I didn't think they'd buy in. Three days before I'm supposed to go on the air, because I know I'm going to do a good job. Three days before I go on the air, I get the call from management at Casey, at Emmis. Would you consider not working New York? and coming to KC95. Well, in that day, and I guess to the present day, KC95 was another one of the top five radio stations in the country. I just worked at DC 101. That was amongst them. And uh, I thought to that point in time, well, you know, I've been working rock and roll for 25 years. It'd probably be easier for me to fit in at KC95. And plus, we're only five-hour drive away from Indianapolis because we had two new babies, and that way the grandparents could see the babies and everything. All right, I'll take... Uh, KC95. And so I prepared to work at KC95. Now, J.C. Corcoran was a really, is a really good friend of mine. Uh, we worked at DC 101 together. He's working KC, all right? So I call him because we always would call maybe three or four times a month to talk, uh, whatever we talk. And, and this time I called him. I said, Brother Mansky, because I call him Brother Mansky, because back then, you know, people say, hey, dude. Back then they said, hey, brother. Hey, brother, man. And he was from... Chicago, a lot of Polish people in Chicago. I didn't know his uh, nationality, but I called him Brother Mansky. So, Brother Mansky, 
I'm coming to compete against you. Click the phone. Went. I didn't talk to him for six years while I was at KC95. And the ensuing radio wars were so magnificent in that he'd do things to me. I'd do things to him back and forth like that, just jacking with each other for, you know, in the name of fun and the name of entertainment. But also there's a little anger that I was coming to compete against him. And uh, it turned into a money-making monolith because both stations, KSD and KC95, were making money hand and foot because these two guys were fighting each other and playing off of each other. And it ran rampant for six years. It was magnificent. Well, I think we could probably do a whole other segment on the on the St. Louis Radio Wars, which I think we should right do. Which we should do at some point. But I wanted to give people an idea of where you've been, where yeah. you came from, and, and where you where you are now. So appreciate you sharing all that. Just, well, like I said, you. the Iliad, Odyssey, the Odyssey, this Odysseus. This is that right? That's that's, that's, that's a good. Phrase. That's a good analogy. Uh, and it's funny because I spent four years in DC also. Yeah, you know, back in St. Louis. So. Um, anyway, we hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, this is the Mark Milton show presented by stltaxlawyer.com. I am the STL tax lawyer. You yep. can find me at stltaxlawyer.com. You can also download our program at 590thefan.com, themarkmiltonshow.com, and anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Take care.